As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. Welcome to Hancock and Kelly here on Fox 2. On the right, right over here, John Hancock. Morning. On the left, Michael Kelly. Morning. And I'm John Brown. Big story this week, of course, the battle with Iran and then the battle in the House. Everyone who watches a show like this already knows the basics, right? President Trump ordered a drone strike that killed an Iranian military leader. Iran retaliated, but the attack did little damage. Then top congressional leaders were briefed on the intelligence. Some weren't impressed, including some Republicans. So then lawmakers decided to try and rein in the president. In the aftermath of a Trump administration briefing on the killing of a high-profile Iranian general, outrage is erupting from both sides of the aisle. That was insulting. That was demeaning to the process ordained by the Constitution. And I find it completely unacceptable. They gave us the most uh, general conclusions about threats uh, to the United States. But when it came to any specificity, it just wasn't there. Now, both houses of Congress putting forth their own resolutions to limit President Donald Trump's power to use military force against Iran. It's an insult to the Constitution. The Constitution said the power to declare war was to be given to Congress. They specifically did not give that power to the president. Last week, in our view, uh, the president, the administration conducted a provocative, disproportionate airstrike uh, against Iran, which endangered Americans, and did so without consulting Congress. Some members of the administration and many Republicans contend the president's actions fall under protection from a law signed a week after 9-11, granting presidents the authority to use force against terrorists and the nations that harbor them. The administration has also argued there was an imminent threat that precipitated the strike. Upon looking at the facts and being in the briefings I've been in, uh, yes, I do believe it was the right decision. In Washington, I'm Whitney Wild. All right, so let's talk about it. John, you're up first on this one. The president took uh, quick action in this case, stirred up a lot of hornet's nests here, it appears. Well, let's not get confused. The War Powers Act is there for declarations of war. Rand Paul is correct. If you're going to declare war on another country, that is the purview of Congress. That's not what this was. This was a strategic strike going after a terrorist where there was imminent threats to the United States, uh, our embassies, and our people. Uh, the president has, this is in many respects not any different than going after bin Laden uh, or al-Baghdadi, which we did earlier. It was a strategic strike to take out a terrorist threat that was imminently affecting the United States. The War Powers Act is fine, and, and, but it just doesn't apply here. Well, I'm not a military expert or foreign policy expert, but I, I don't have a problem with what the president did in taking out the, the person. What I'm worried about is that it's clear there's no plan here. And if you watch the president's press conference that happened the day after the Iranian stroke back at us, that was not the same human being that we all know to be the president of the United States. It was somebody had invaded his body and he was in this reserve thing uh, making this argument. The other head scratcher to me was is we killed a man in retaliation for holding 52 hostages and all this other stuff that the president pointed out. 
they retaliate shooting missiles at our base and we say that's okay, we just walk away. I mean, these folks tried to kill people inside our base. I'm grateful that this doesn't seem to be escalating anymore, but I think the reason that you're seeing the pushback from Congress, both Republican and Democrat, is because we have an unstable person as President of the United States who doesn't have a plan. There is a historic predicate for this, and it was the bombing of Libya uh, in the Reagan administration, where we did a, an aggressive bombing effort there. Libya then scaled back its terrorist activities for more than a decade. Uh, and let's hope that this results in that. You know, you're talking about the War Powers Act. All these years, Brown, I thought it was the Warren Powers Act having to do with Mizzou football, <laughs> Mizzou football. Uh, yeah. but I was wrong. Okay, well, the president even reiterated the point that you made. He said, these are split-second decisions. I'm told that we have a known terrorist who's in a location. I don't have time to call all these members of Congress and say, should we do this or should we not? That's what a president does, but I think you're right oh, because of previous presidents. Of course, and his, the president's behavior is part of his problem. I mean, it should not go unnoticed that there were strong Republican senator allies of the president who were out attacking the briefing that took place. They don't have a real problem with the amount of substance that was given to them. They were being lectured as to how they're supposed to respond in defense of the president. This, is, this isn't about the actions of the president. It's about the president himself and the lack of uh, support or uh, belief in that we've got a solid leader who's got a plan. The senior members of Congress and the intel intelligence world got a fundamentally different briefing than people like Senator Mike Lee of Utah. And there's things that we know and intelligence sources that we had that can't simply be disclosed to 100 members of the Senate and 435 members of the House. This was a tactical, now think about what was done here. A drone, so there's no U.S. service person at risk, a drone is able to zap an SUV. Boom, now you can't get much more targeted than that. Contrast that with what Iran did, lobbing missiles in an Air Force base that don't hit that anybody. That we don't respond to. Uh, and, and John, you make an excellent point. I mean, it is, it is something that's happened in previous administrations. We've never seen bipartisan support to wrangle in the president as it relates to doing this. And that is squarely on the fact that we have a president who won doesn't tell the truth, now wants us to believe the intelligent community, and he doesn't have a plan. I actually think it's a good thing that every once in a while we show off the capacity of the U.S. military because it is a deterrent. One of the former military leaders that I talked to about this said, okay, think culturally here. Iran has to respond, right? That's their culture. They have to respond. But they don't want an escalation with the United States, so they shoot a bunch of missiles into places where they're not going to hit anything, right? And some of them failed. All right, then contrast that with the airplane, the Ukrainian Airlines airplane. They were able to hit that specifically. So I don't, I, I know it's all just speculation at this point, but there's some oddities that don't all See add up here. Do you guys feel the same way? Like, oh, something's not fully right here, and then us not responding. Now, what does Canada do? I mean, you've got a lot of stuff that doesn't seem to add up. Yeah, it doesn't add up, but I think it's the fear of this tinderbox exploding. I mean, this can go beyond Iran. We have President Putin was this week in Syria. Of course, we have the Israelis and now the Canadians. This is a crazy time, and unfortunately, the Americans have a crazy leader, and even the Iranians are saying that that's the case. Well, hitting what proved to be a commercial airliner with an anti-aircraft missile is one thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that thing's not moving that fast up there, and you've got anti-aircraft devices. But being able to tactically take out an SUV with a drone, or, that's but impressive. But, John, how about military action against our troops that doesn't get responded to by the, to by the United States? I think the President States? made a good call. We've turned the other cheek. 
it's not the America I know that we're just going to allow people to shoot at our troops and not respond. No Americans were killed there. I think the president made the right call. All right, let's talk about impeachment very quickly here before we go on this first block. Missouri Senator Josh Hawley came up with a new idea this week. Let's try and push House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to send over the articles of impeachment to the Senate. He gave her a deadline. Other Republicans got behind the effort. Nancy Pelosi, though, not impressed. No, I'm not holding him indefinitely. I'll send him over when I'm ready. And that will probably be soon. I don't, you know, he said, if you don't send him over, I'm going to pass the Mexico-U.S.-Canada trade agreement. Okay. Uh, but, uh, no, we, we, we want to see what they're willing to do and the manner in which they will do it. But we will not let them say, oh, this is just like Clinton, fair is fair. It's not. Uh, documents, documentation, witnesses, facts, truth. That's what they're afraid of. All right, word came out Friday. She's going to transmit those articles this week. And Mitch McConnell said, that's great. I'll throw them in the trash. Not really, but that's what's going to happen here. Nothing's going to happen at this point, do you think? Right. I mean, the, the, if you were really going to impeach the president, the proper thing to have done was to issue the subpoenas, which they did, to their credit. Then the White House claims executive privilege. The next step of that process should have been going to court and having the judicial branch rule on whether those subpoenas should be honored. And that would have drug then, on for months. Well, that's the way the system works. Instead, they rushed everything to, to, pa to pass the articles of impeachment because they're such a crisis, we can't go to the courts, it'll take too long, and now they won't turn them over. She's in an untenable political well, position here. She's compelled to turn them over. And let's be clear what this is all about. This was about Donald Trump getting a foreign government to interfere in an election on his behalf. He held $400 million uh, of aid. He is under impeachment now. I look. The, the pressure is coming from Democrats in the Senate to Nancy Pelosi saying, hey, it's time to get on with this. I don't have a problem with Nancy Pelosi. She's been a strong guidepost for the Democrats throughout this entire process. And as a matter of fact, since the impeachment has taken place, we've gotten more nuggets of evidence as a result of her doing this. More sunshine disclosures show further emails showing that this was a concerted effort by the White House. Not to mention, John Bolton comes out and says, I'm going to testify. Yeah, he's the only one who might... I think people want to hear from at this point in the, because he was the only one there when the, they made the, fall, uh, the phone call to the Ukraine president. So that'll probably come out next week. Still to come on Hancock and Kelly, Missouri lawmakers went back into session this week up in Jeff City. They have a lot to deal with, but everyone seemed to get stuck on valet parking for lawmakers and a smoking hot wife on the House floor. Got to get back to my baby again. The only days are gone. I'm a going home. To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for Hancock and Kelly. I would like to introduce uh, some very special folks to me. Um, first of all, my smoking hot wife. Uh, where? <laughs> All right, kind of a fun moment up in Jeff City this week. Welcome back to Hancock and Kelly. Missouri legislative session now underway. That was State Representative Scott Cups, Republican from Shell Knob. Brand new up there, so he was sworn in along with 10 other freshman lawmakers and gave a shout-out to his smoking hot wife. <laughs> that was kind of cute. I like, Very Some nice. people are like, you don't do that on the House floor. I'm like, come on, lighten up. Right. It was a fun moment for a freshman lawmaker, and she was in the back. Very cool. All right, so one thing Republicans want to change as they go back into session is clean Missouri passed by, what, 62% of voters? 
They have put up an amendment which would create a bipartisan commission to redraw the state's district lines that could potentially shake up party representation. Currently, Clean Missouri provides a nonpartisan demographer. In total, there are now six proposals to tweak or repeal Clean Missouri. Now, in case you've forgotten what Clean Missouri is, as I did, here are the particulars. Okay, it limits lobbyist gifts at $5 to lawmakers or less, requires state legislators to wait two years after leaving office before they can become a big-time lobbyist, tightens limits on campaign contributions, requires state legislators to abide by the open records law, and changes the process for the criteria for redrawing the state legislative districts. So I see you're uh, biting at this one, Mike. Well, that, that, the, the point that the Republicans don't like is the fifth one, and that's because they want to be able to gerrymander the districts to continue to hold a, a chokehold on the Missouri legislature. Here is the problem. The Missouri voters vote on something, they know full well what they're doing, then the Republicans decide that's not a piece of legislation we want. Let's think about it. Conceal and carry was one of those votes. The Missourians rejected it. The Republicans come back later and try to overturn it. They are overturning the will of the people. John, you can spin this how you want, but it is never proper for the Missouri legislature to turn over the will of the people, and they're doing this for nothing more than a partisan nonsense. The, the will of the people. You want to talk about partisan nonsense was this whole clean Missouri thing. You put all this ethics stuff in there for the whole purpose of taking the redistricting process, which wasn't broken here, and injecting it into the one statewide office that's held by a Democrat and putting them in charge of it. That's what this was. Now, our redistricting process, which other states have adopted because it works, is a bipartisan commission. Five Republicans, five Democrats. You can't pass a map without bipartisan support. The, those commissions convene. They draw lines. If they can't agree, then it goes to the courts, and the courts do it. That's a proper bipartisan way. Look, redistricting is a political process. There's no such thing as a nonpartisan demographer, okay? You draw the lines, it's a political process, you let the chips fall where they will, and I think the voters, if properly educated, well, then, would agree that this is the, the right The legislature to needs to go and curb this petition process because we go to the voters so many times and ask them to vote on things, and when you all, the majority party that has a stranglehold on Jefferson City, don't like the outcome, you go and overturn the will of the people. When does the, pers when does the will of the people's stand in this state? Why has it always got to be Republican Party nonsense that overturns the will of the because people? Because George Soros comes in and spends a ton of money and passes this dog, and it's not good public policy. Let's make good public policy. So instead, we ought to have the Koch brothers finance the lobbyists that make the Republicans do what they want. Give right. it up. Also on the table in Missouri this time, gun laws, gambling machines, gas taxes. But one that I, I talked to a lawmaker this week, and he said, the other thing we're going to look at is changing the way things either get on the ballot or the way we change the Constitution, because a lot of, we've all debated this before. Yeah. In Missouri, what do you need, 10 good friends to get something on the ballot? <laughs> And you got it on the ballot there, so they're going to work on that too. Is that really needed? Do you think? I do think it's needed. It's uh, it's very. If you've got a million and a half dollars, you could put anything on the ballot in Missouri, and uh, and there's too much on the ballot. And I think we'd all be better served if our elected representatives were tackling these issues. And particularly if our legislature is not going to adhere to what the voters say. You know, this is a democracy derailed. We are a republic. We send people to a government to advocate on our behalf. What did the legislature do? They send it out and they punt most of the time. It goes to the voters. The voters make a decision and then they go. Let's make these people do their job. Stand up. Stand for what you believe in and do it right there. But goodness gracious, if you're going to allow this process to exist for the voters to speak, then adhere to what the voters say. All right, one more big controversy this week. 
was parking at the state capitol. Lawmakers headed back on Wednesday, and lo and behold, the lawmakers have valet parking now. All right, you may, we're kind of laughing about it here. So the, the valet parker, by the way, is a guy named Roger Lanoff. He's from mid-Missouri. He retired. He's now working this job. He said, it's a great job for a retiree. He's making like $35,000, $36,000 a year, which is the same as the people he's valet parking their cars, John. Why is this needed? You spent time up there. Why do they need a valet parker? Yeah, make an argument for valet parking. Well, I will. Uh, because the way that the parking garage works now it's is... It's a mess. The, if you've never been up there, the parking garage is it, a mess. It, it has been. been. I was there when they built the thing, Brown. That's, That's how, how old, old it is. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it is a mess. And what happens is the highway patrol officers have to move cars around constantly. That is not a good use of the state highway patrol moving a bunch of legislators cars around this actually will save the taxpayers money and it's a better use of the highway patrol and it will make the garage run efficiently well and let's be honest there's only 40 or 50 cars that can fit in that garage so this is a $36,000 job for 40 or 50 cars that's not every legislator who can park inside the capitol so then why don't the legislators and their entitled nonsense do what the citizens have to do what the lobbyists have to do and everybody who else who works in that building have to do go Park in the public garage and walk to your job. All right, very quickly, fundraising numbers here. Let's talk about the top of the ballot here. Uh, John, you've looked at the numbers. What do you see on the fundraising numbers? Well, uh, the Governor Parson made a good rebound this quarter. Uh, Nicole Galloway actually outraised him in the third quarter in the campaign fund. And that's no longer true. By $100,000, uh, Governor Parsons outraised Galloway. More significantly, the governor's pack raised close to a million dollars for the quarter where Galloway's was around 200000 Okay. Well, look, the key there, though, is, is that the incumbent should blow away $100,000. No way. Special interest money into a pack? Of course the Republicans are going to do that. They've been selling government for 20 years. They know how to get a good return on that. All right. Still to come on Hancock & Kelly, Illinois raking in big bucks on marijuana. And you know other states now paying attention. Are Missourians about to get a chance to vote on whether to legalize it? News potpourri time, but something else is in the air right now. We're talking weed. It's big oh. business in Illinois. Yeah, you can't probably smell it all the way over here. <laughs> the state is raking in big cash. The state brought in millions, what, $3 million in tax revenue in the first day? Going to continue to rake it in. So, of course, other states are saying, we need money, too. One lawmaker in Missouri I spoke with says that the legislature, of course, didn't pass it, but a vote of the people might. He expects to see legalization on the ballot soon possibly November of this year. John Hancock, lawmakers couldn't even, well, he even told me, he said, Missouri Republican lawmakers will never pass this. It's got to go to the people. So we might see it here in Missouri. You might. Uh, you know, I, all of this rush, it's, it's nothing but a revenue grab. Illinois is broke. And they're doing everything. They're uh, amping up the gambling. They're legalizing pot. They're doing everything they can to try and close their budget gap. Uh, I don't know that we know what the long-term implications of having legalized marijuana is, and I'm not certain it's going to be a net benefit to society. Sure I think uh, I think we would all do ourselves a favor not to rush into this. We, thing. we know what the long-term ramifications are. It's the same as alcohol. It's a drug. It's not good in a lot of instances, and it can be good in others. Yeah, it's big business in Illinois. It's also big business in Missouri. Right. Weed is being sold right now in Missouri in apartments and in condos and in places in rural Missouri. 
look, we've reached a tipping point nationwide that weed is going to be legalized. Let's see if Missouri can do it before the rest of the country finally says, you've got to do it. It makes sense. It's happening already. Let's pull our heads out of our... Right. You're still going to see it because I don't know if you guys saw that receipt. It was like $70 for a little flower or whatever. person bought three of those, $210, and the tax are like $50. It's ridiculous. So right. you're still going to see people who can't afford that doing it in their apartment. But what about this cash-only deal? Is there anything that feels more dirty than going <laughs> to buy your weed at a legal place and you're still slipping across? Well, yeah. Bottom. I was going to say, Come on. cash only is currently how most weed's that's, been purchased for the last several decades. Been this way. But no, it, but that's a federal regulation that won't yeah, allow the banks to participate in it. It's silly. We're, we're beyond it. Let's go. The feds Come need on. to catch up from the Stone Ages, too. Even some drug dealers do Venmo anymore, Stone right? Ages. You can still PayPal. You take PayPal? Come on. Stone Ages. All right. It's looking more and more like Bernie Sanders. It's going to be the last Democrat standing, at least to some numbers. Bernie topped the most recent fundraising numbers, followed by Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren. But in New Hampshire, former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg leads the field with an edge of about 20%. Guys, Bernie is on fire right now. After the heart attack, it's been nothing but fundraising. Michael, you're Remember up. all the conversation we had about Hillary's health? She never had a heart attack. And no scrutiny of Bernie Sanders. Look, yeah, it's impressive what he's been able to accomplish. He's got a small group. It's the same group who's been with him forever. Democrats need to wake up, though. We know who can win. The president's told us he got impeached over the fact that he know, knows Joe Biden can beat him. He held back $400 million in military aid. Iowa's going to be a unique thing. Super Tuesday's going to be crazy. And I think that's where Joe Biden breaks out of this pack and winds up becoming the nominee. But, yeah, there's still potential that we could see one of these very progressive candidates or... An alternative to Joe Biden. Bernie has benefited by the by the erosion of Elizabeth Warren, and uh, the quicker she dissipates, the more likely it is that Bernie might actually have a shot at this thing. Now, I'd be surprised if he's the nominee, but it, who knows at this point? This, the one I'm interested in, and it's probably the longest of long shots, but if somehow Amy Klobuchar surprises in Iowa, she had a very good fundraising quarter in Q4. If she surprises and somehow wins Iowa, now she's way down in the polls now. Uh, that will fundamentally change this race. It's funny you said that because I had to think, wait, is she still in the race? It's like when the Republicans had 20 people last time. Yeah. I'm trying to remember, I had my flow chart. Are they no, still in? She's it? in. She raised 11 million. She's on the debate stage. I'm, I don't think she's got a chance, but if she's, she's the one that could have a true surprise in Iowa. All right, stick around. They'll have their final thoughts coming up next right here on Hancock and Kelly. Well, we've had a few weeks to rest our minds, so certainly we've got some good final thoughts today, right? Yeah, well, You're this fresh and clear from the I am. My final yeah. thought is this is our season, buddy, and people who uh, hate political time. You're going to hate this year. We're going to see more money than has ever been spent on television to, one, select a governor, two, to select a president, and three, to figure out what we're going to do with this legislature. If you're tired of politics, well, you may want to go back to a cave for the next 12 months. You know, it is going to be fun. You know, yeah. Brown, ever so often, my, my partner over here, it gets a little exercised on a topic. Okay. It gets a little excited. I'm thinking, you know, now I'm not generally not in favor of legalizing marijuana, <laughs> but if it would calm Kelly down <laughs> oh. just for 30 minutes on Sunday morning, I might have to reconsider. <laughs> I think I'd be hungry if I was calm. <laughs> right? This time of morning, what is it? Almost 9? Parties, yeah. you want to sponsor us? <laughs> All right. Thanks for watching Hancock and Kelly this week. Remember, if you missed any part of the show, download it right there on your smartphone. Search the words Hancock and Kelly. Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace is next, and we'll see you back here next Sunday.